the United States can't collapse, you know, in the sense that Gordon Chung thinks that China's well, going to collapse. Yeah. Because the United States is extremely resource rich. Exactly. Despite whatever may be happening in the short or midterm to the U.S. economy. Sure. In the long term, we have tons of oil. We have tons of minerals. Yes. We have tons of human resources. The best educational system in the world. Maybe best educational system? Have you seen the public schools and elementary schools? I was thinking about university system. Yeah. Like the United States still has. It will find a way to survive because, yeah. because it's because the regular Americans are still decent people. Mm-hmm. And most Americans want to be hardworking. So they're realizing that maybe China was not at fault for a lot of the problems in America. Now, fentanyl, they still are very upset about. Mm-hmm. This is a big deal. And I've seen it. The problem is very severe in America. But it was well before fentanyl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was looking at the statistics for that cocaine yeah. use in the United States is astronomically higher up. than anywhere else in the world. Heroin use is higher than in the United States than anywhere else in the world. Our country so to blame number, one particular yeah, drug yeah, on exactly. Mexico And that's what China's I was discussing with them. And I'm American, and I'll always be proud of my country. I do criticize it a lot, but I'm always a patriot. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. because I want what's best for my country. Right. Okay? And it's really that simple. What Americans are best at is we're great at marketing. We're great at entertainment. We're oh, yeah. great <laughs> at talking. We're great at communication. Um, but uh, sometimes, like the STEM, the real work, <laughs> you know, the Chinese are a little bit better at that. So what you do is we need to find a way to mm-hmm. combine the best of Chinese culture Mm -hmm. and the best of American culture. And that's exactly what lecture they want me to give. Mm -hmm. How to combine the best of China with the best of America. That's a great idea. Yeah. Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. We have a very special guest with us today, Thomas Pockin II is an American and a geopolitical analyst who's written extensively for China Daily, Fox News, Korea Jung-An Daily, and more. Thomas uh, recently returned to Beijing from Washington, D.C. Welcome back to the bridge. Yes. So actually, the first thing I wanted to ask you is what was it like going to D.C. in this current political climate in the U.S.? Well, I'll put it to you this way, because maybe in June, I had really big culture shock. So in a sense, the second time around, I was more mentally prepared. Mm for the culture shock. I think part of it stemmed from the fact that I had grown up as a kid thinking America was this kind of good country that was against corruption Mm -hmm. and that even if they were corrupt, they would deny it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But now their culture is very open about its corruption. Wow. And so I experienced it in June and it really shocked me. But coming back a second round, it was the same thing, but I was more prepared. And what I'm basically understanding from, because I asked him, why is it that this openness about corruption is becoming so obvious? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And their concern is they say, oh, America's on the decline. Mm -hmm. And so if by chance we can't sell out the country before others, Mm -hmm. 
then what can we sell out? So there's this acceleration of corruption right now. You're, you're kidding. No, I wish I was. But this was a common topic of discussion. And I would ask these simple questions like, why is it there is such openness about corruption? Whereas, say, five years ago, 10 years ago, it used to be a denial. Wow. And they were like, well, because of the decline. There is a concern that people, Americans already know U.S. is on the decline. There's no way to deny. Americans see it. They see the homeless people. Mm -hmm. They see a lot of people out of jobs. They see, like, for example, I saw this morning, the average worker earns 40,000 U.S. dollars a year. Mm -hmm. This is before tax. Mm -hmm. So you're thinking about 30, 40% of all that going out to Social Security and to, so immediately it, it goes down to below, around even below 30,000 mm -hmm. annual salary. Mm -hmm. So if that is the case, people are really struggling. Yeah. They know the real story. Okay. It's hard to survive on less than 40,000 a year in America. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have to think about rent or housing, a car. You're barely surviving. Okay. So Americans already know this. But what they realize is that many foreign countries may not have noticed mm. because they see the image of America in Hollywood. I mean, even Bloomberg and the Wall Street Journal still put the U.S. economy <laughs> staying larger than China's until 2040. Everybody something. knows that's a joke. Really? No one believes it. Wow. No one believes it. It's laughable, to be <clears throat> honest. When you talk to regular American people, and I'm sure you know many regular American people, mm -hmm. do they believe the American economy is doing great? Well, I have to say most of the Americans that I'm in contact with her here in China have been here for and a long and, time. So they may be disconnected from yes, reality of yes. what's life. And so when I read Bloomberg, yeah. Yeah. Wall Street sure. Journal, New York Times, sure. I'm thinking, okay, this is what America thinks about itself. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Apparently. I'm sorry to laugh because it is so understood. Wow. That this, and that's part of the image game. Mm -hmm. So, and that's part of the corruption mm -hmm. because it's sort of thing when you think about a long time ago in the stock market, there was a concept called pump and dump. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What a person does holding shares at a high value is they know who else is going to buy it for a higher price. Mm -hmm. Nobody. So then you go out to the media and you say, this is an amazing stock. You know, a Jim Cramer. Mm -hmm. Have you heard yeah. of Jim Cramer? Yeah. 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 He's, he's a perfect example of Mr. Pump and Dump. Yeah. So he goes out and says, this is an amazing stock. You got to buy it. Mm -hmm. Why is it? Because they're trying to sucker in the normal investors who are a little bit clueless. Mm -hmm. They say, oh, I saw Jim Cramer say this amazing stuff. I saw Wall Street Journal say amazing stuff. I saw Bloomberg. I'm going to go buy it. I see. So what they're doing is they're just trying to sell out at the highest price. And then it just drops after that. Wow. Okay. So this is what the understanding of the elites thinking <laughs> of America right now. This is pump and dump stage. And do you think that the regular Joe Sixpack, James? They all know it. They all know it. They all know it's a game. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm trying to look for some positive notes. Sure. Sino-US relations. Okay, sure. Recently, uh, she was in San Francisco. Yes. Meeting with Biden. Mm -hmm. And it looks like the meeting was positive. It wasn't one of these sit down and lecture each other okay. and talk past sure. each other. That's how it looks on the okay, outside. Yeah. Do you think uh, this is a good harbinger for us? Okay. That's a fair question to ask. But just understand, you're talking to a person who has the mind of a, say, political strategist. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it may sound, and I've had other podcasts where I've actually had to address this issue of the Biden uh, she meeting, and I had to be very blunt. Mm -hmm. My blunt assessment is basically if China and the US are not going to go to war, mm -hmm. they need to talk. Yeah. Okay. 
And for the past two, three years, there was no talking. And then Pelosi visited Taiwan. Mm -hmm. And then they stopped the military talks. Then they stopped the fentanyl talks. Then they stopped uh, even the, well, they did a little bit of the climate change talks in between. Mm -hmm. But almost all the talks was completely stopped. Mm -hmm. So the fact that Biden and Xi are meeting is really not a miracle. Mm -hmm. From a political strategist point, it is simply a case of we're not going to war, so we have to look like we're talking. Mm -hmm. It does not mean we're agreeing with each other. Mm -hmm. It does not even mean we're supporting each other. Mm -hmm. But we have to have talks because if it doesn't show any level of diplomacy, yeah. then this will frighten the world mm -hmm. because people will think that the U.S. and China are about to go to war. Well, can I ask some follow-up sure, questions? Sure. There were some positive notes that came out of- Well, obvious, so of course. One of them was Xi Jinping offered uh, 50,000 U.S. students- That was great. Over five years to come study in China, which is a great opportunity for Amazing. U.S. students to have less student loans, for one. <laughs> sure. But also, maybe they'll see China and they'll know what it's really yeah. like, and this is good you know, people-to-people -people exchanges. Mm -hmm. So there were good notes that came out of their meeting. Yes. No, and I, I'm pretty sure that this was probably China's idea, and mm -hmm. they just sought approval to announce it in America before mm -hmm. uh, U.S. I don't th I don't see a Biden going. Hey, I have this great idea to send. For the, okay, <laughs> I I think it was a civil case that the Chinese wanted to invite all these new students, and they just needed permission from the Biden administration to make the announcement during this type of meeting. Mm -hmm. So it shows a, an amazing impact. And as I said, you're talking to a person with a strategic mindset. Mm -hmm. Well, California Governor Gavin mm -hmm. Newsom, sure. former yeah. mayor of San Francisco, yes, was here in China. China. Yes, in, that was in very Beijing interesting. In Shanghai, he was spinning out in a BYD, I oh, think yeah. it was. I heard he had a great time. It looked like he had, other than knocking that, that, kid. that kid he stumbled <laughs> over. Yeah, sure. And knocking the kid down. Other Everything else was really po sure. positive. Yeah. Uh, there's a new term people are using. I guess it may be an old term, but okay. now it's popular. Subnational diplomacy. Okay. Do you think that his visit was positive for Sino-U.S. relations? Well, what's interesting is most of the people in the U.S. that I know who were talking about the Gavin Newsom trip, mm -hmm. it was simply about Oh, looks like Biden's not going to run for re-election. So it looks like Gavin Newsom. Oh, wow. That's That was the interpretation of Newsom's trip. Wow. And this is it. We're just thinking from a strategic mm -hmm. standpoint. Mm -hmm. This is and, and it makes perfect sense mm -hmm. because the reality is, is Biden really didn't help improve U.S.-China ties. Mm -hmm. Somebody like Gavin Newsom, who is a Democrat, actually could improve ties. Mm -hmm. I'll give him that. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows I'm a Republican. I don't like Newsom, but I actually supported his trip to China. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was a good move on his part. Mm -hmm. Well, I have an, another question following up on that. Yeah, yeah. And well, Gavin Newsom came over and he's a governor, sure. not a president, not a congressperson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you see other governors following suit? Maybe Republican governors? You know, I would governors like for that. I would like for I would like to see it. I've been trying to encourage it. Um, right now, China is a very just toxic, especially for for Republicans. Mm -hmm. So they worry that even if they visit, then they get the pro-China label. Right. Okay. Yeah. But I have talked to some people who are connected to governors and they have expressed interest. Mm -hmm. But I suggested in a different format. I would say, okay, maybe you can make it an Asia trip. Mm -hmm. You go to Japan, you go to South Korea, you go to China, you go to other countries along along with this group. Mm -hmm. And I think that actually mm -hmm. makes more sense. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Because see, Newsom just came to China. It was yeah. very obvious. He just came because Biden told him he needed to convince Xi to go to San Francisco at Apex. Mm-hmm. It was very obvious this was the case. So what I advise some people to do is instead of just making it a pure China trip, mm-hmm. make it an Asia trip, mm-hmm. but maybe go to China first mm-hmm. and then go to the other countries. Because obviously, if you go to Japan first and you say something nice about Japan, mm-hmm. who knows what China might say about that? Mm-hmm. So go to China first and then go to the other countries. Well, I mean, one of the reasons that Newsom came to China, yeah. obviously, in, in preparing for his presidential run, potential yeah, sure. presidential run, is he wants to show that he has his hand on international affairs, shows that he's capable. And that's fair enough. So certainly Republican candidates who are not yet in the running. I would say, for example, if Republicans really support peace, people like Trump. Uh, other Republicans who are not the neoconservative pro-war, you know, someone like Nikki Haley. Mm-hmm. I don't think Nikki Haley <laughs> would have a good trip to China. Well, she only ever rate, got as high as 1% or something like oh, that. She, yeah. She has no but, chance. But, well, there's still talk that she I mean, somehow has a chance. I think it looks like she's running for a cabinet position. She won't get it. She's, she's, <laughs> what is your prediction for the... Well, I have yeah, two. Yeah, good, good. About the, yeah, pr- the election. making predictions. Yeah, about the election. Yeah. Not just who do you think might be the potential future president of the United sure. States, but is the rhetoric, because generally when we're in a, a run-up to an election, yeah, yeah, of course, candidates start being tough on other countries. Of course. So do you think that this will complicate Sino-US? Well, I think actually Nikki Haley is not faking it with their rhetoric, mm. and that's what makes her dangerous. Mm. Okay. Someone like DeSantis, I think, is rhetoric more than action, and that's okay. Trump also, what's interesting about Trump is that he's very effective at this brash rhetoric. Mm-hmm. But then he can make deals. Yeah. That's what the Chinese discovered. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there can be a comeback and a ways to come closer to China. But if people, if somebody like Nikki Haley gets elected, that won't happen. Mm. I mean, even if, despite whoever's elected, oftentimes the tone for how American citizens look out at the world. Sure. Because most Americans don't travel abroad. And they don't care. Yeah. But (laughs) the tone for how they perceive the rest of the world is set by who can be more anti-Russia, who can be more anti-China. So maybe, will the election negatively impact U.S. perceptions of China or no, I don't believe so because it's already hit rock bottom. Oh wow! It can't get much worse. Well, I wanted to ask about rock yeah. bottom because it seems it, like it, it, it can't get it can't get worse unless. And this is what I said. Everyone thinks that Biden and and she had this amazing meeting and somehow Biden did a miracle. He did not. Hmm. It just went back to square one. What it was before Pelosi visited right. Taiwan. Okay, and the idea of say, of course, the fifty thousand students coming to China mm-hmm. is a lovely idea. But as a, this is, a, I think it was a gesture by President Xi to show. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we have Gavin Newsom's visit. We have sure. Ye- Yellen's visit. Sure. Blinken's visit. Yeah. Wang Yi went to Washington, D.C. Sure. met with Biden, uh, Jake Sullivan, and Blinken. Uh-huh. And uh, Yellen says she wants to come back next year. And we have the Xi-Biden meet, which is following up on the Bali sure. meet, which is <laughs> a little bit ago. It does seem like we're talking a lot more. And then that's important because if you're not going to go to war, you need diplomacy. Right. Well, okay. Okay. okay yeah. Back to your original So what point. I'm getting at is that this talk also happened during the Trump administration. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was very, it was much more entertaining talk, <laughs> but there was talk. And, but the thing is, is I also caught Biden is still going after China. 
They are contacting Middle East investment firms, and they're threatening to sanction them if they do deals with China. Didn't Saudi Arabia start trading uh, oil and yuan? Yeah, so that's what, exactly. So that's exact. So they're going after those investment firms despite the Xi Biden meeting. Hmm. So what you're getting is double talk from the U.S. Mm-hmm. At least with Trump, you knew what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. If he says he's going to go after you, he'll go after you, and then you find some way to make a deal. Mm-hmm. But the problem that, I, and I've discussed this with some Chinese, is the problem they see with Democrats is that they don't really understand deal making mm. in a sense that they will they will insist that they are politically righteous in their beliefs. Therefore, they can't compromise. Hmm. And this is a big struggle. Whereas Trump, everything's a deal. Mm-hmm. And for Democrats, they don't have this mindset. Mm-hmm. So many Chinese have had really hard time struggling with this. So that's why they use climate change. Mm-hmm. So they have to throw in something. So well, they'll go, let's go for climate change, because yeah. at least Democrats like that. And yeah. it is something that is important to most people who believe sure. in science. <laughs> so, um, Well, I would say I would change it around to those people who care about climate change. Right. You're listening to The Bridge. China has the largest scalable solar energy, wind energy capacity, generating manufacturing capacity. Not only installed, but it's now selling to Europe. It's actually its largest importer, uh, South Africa. Mm -hmm. United States, I looked at the list yesterday, isn't on that list. There's a list of like the top 20 countries. I had to do some research yesterday too. Importing solar and, uh, you know, other renewable energy from China, the United States is not even on that list. Uh, So is that because they're trying to protect their own manufacturing? Well, here's the interesting thing is they actually made a huge blunder because they enforced a lot of trade protectionist, like you're getting at, the trade protectionist regulations. So other countries can buy solar panels or solar components from China for a very cheap price. Mm-hmm. But because the tariffs on the U.S. side is so high yeah. and the restrictions are so high, right. it's impossible for them to build solar panels anymore. I mean, not impossible, but it's it's negligible. They're getting negligible results. Wow. So it's rather funny how – So when they and it was Obama mm-hmm. who first put the rules in. And I thought this was strange because I'm like, I thought you guys thought – Climate change was so important. Mm. Okay. And if climate change is so important, you would want cheaper solar panels and cheaper windmills so that you can have more wind power generation. Mm-hmm. But no, they didn't follow that. Well, maybe that's part of Gavin Newsom's visit because California. It's possible. Yeah. I could see Gavin Newsom thinking different on that concept. And but, that, in a sense, is a good thing. But they wouldn't be able to go around federal laws and tariffs. So, But you, if he becomes president, he could. Oh, I see. What you, that's well, what I'm getting at. Well, I mean, if we can cooperate on climate change, then that is at least a starting point. Well, yeah, that was my recommendation. I said, when you have rock bottom, find something, just find anything. So I came up, I suggested climate change. So you did meet with a lot of uh, other analysts in Washington, D.C. How did that go in terms of their perceptions of China? Are they changing? Oh, it's changing, actually. I think what what they're realizing is... Because they tend to lead the politicians by the nose a little bit. Well, of course. Yeah. The current sentiments I feel is the country is in such decline that 
they can't even blame China for it anymore. Okay, so they're realizing that maybe China was not at fault for a lot of the problems in America. Now, fentanyl, they still are very upset about. Mm -hmm. This is a big deal. And I've seen it. Drug problem is very severe in America. But it was well before fentanyl. Mm -hmm. I was looking at the statistics for that cocaine use in the United States is astronomically higher than anywhere else in the world. Heroin use is higher than in the United States than anywhere else in the world. So to blame one particular drug on Mexico And that's what I was discussing with them. Yeah. What they have to realize is that obviously it may have been corruption that allowed this problem to get worse. Hmm. And so the Chinese from, I tried to tell them that, look, the Chinese, when they did the fentanyl, it was for medical purposes. And somehow some people got it and turned it around and to use it for other purposes. Apparently, some Chinese people who apparently are traffickers in Mexico or whatever, they have Chinese names. To be honest, it's a big country. Of course, there's going to be criminals in every country. However, this concept that China is totally to blame for it is not accurate. But they kind of fall into that trap Mm -hmm. where they think China is to blame because it's China. I have a friend who's an American living here in Beijing. Sure. Acquaintance. Let's put it that (laughs) way. And he, he makes the point that the United States can't collapse, you know, in the sense that Gordon Chong thinks that China is going to collapse. Because the United States is extremely resource rich. Exactly. Despite whatever may be happening in the short or midterm to the U.S. economy, in the long term, we have tons of oil, we have tons of minerals, we have tons of human resources, the best educational system in the world, maybe outside of Best educational system? Have you seen the public schools and elementary schools? I was thinking of university system. Harvard, Berkeley, Stanford, Yale, Harvard is a little bit is overestimated, but that's okay. Go ahead. Well, my, my, (laughs) my point is, even if if there was a dramatic economic downturn in sure. the United States, in that even sure. it was dramatic, yeah. like the United States still has, it will find a way to survive because yeah. because it's because the regular Americans are still decent people. Mm-hmm. And most Americans want to be hardworking. Honestly, that is very true. I work in the media, but on, if it paid well, I wouldn't mind be working in a factory at all. There's sure. great no, jobs in the United no, States. No, I know. You yeah. can make more money. Actually, <laughs> if you're working a for a union, you can make a ton of money. Yeah. <laughs> you can make more money than, than most, uh, even the high paid journalists. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Yellen wants to return. She mentioned that in 2024. Okay. So what do you think? Is that... Because they want China to buy more treasuries. And if they want the United States to buy, I mean, China to buy more U.S. treasuries, do you think China is going to do so? No, because from what I heard from the operatives, there's there's a no-go on changing the sanctions. There's a no-go on changing the rules. Mm. So I'm like, well, why is she even bothering? Uh, <laughs> they, yeah, well, yeah. They, they haven't really logically moved to that step. Mm. We have COP28. It's in Dubai. Yeah. 70, yeah I had to do some research on it. 70,000 people are going to yeah, be attending. Quite a bit. Actually, I assumed when I was starting my research that it was going to be a few dozen, you know, sure. heads of state kind of thing, but it's actually a mammoth deal. Do you think that China and the US, because this is the second meeting they had okay. uh, where they were talking about climate change, there was a joint U.S. declaration the night before she flew out of China to go to San Francisco, sure. where the United States and China agreed to triple the amount of solar energy globally by 2030. Sure. It kind of got ignored because so much of else course. was going yeah. on. But with COP28 right around the corner, mm-hmm. 
is there a chance that we can actually collaborate on a global level, China and the U.S., to work together towards okay. creating renewable energy? Okay, first, uh, I'll address it more from, as I said, an operative thinking side, because mm -hmm. climate change, obviously, there are many people who agree with it and disagree with it. Mm -hmm. I happen to be on the disagreement side. Okay. But I can't explain but it. it's still renewable energy. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I can't explain it from an operative side. Who's against who is against uh, who supports pollution? Nobody. Who supports bad air? Nobody. Okay. So the image of fighting climate change mm -hmm. is a good image, mm -hmm. but deep down, the real problem with the fight against climate change, and I've had these discussions with people who are decision makers, is look at the fine print, look at the mandates. Can you really follow that and not destroy your economy? Mm -hmm. And so the reality of the climate change summit is from an image standpoint, it sounds lovely. Mm -hmm. But then when you look at the contracts and the deals and what is required in the mandates, mm -hmm. this could be very disruptive to people's economies. Mm -hmm. Now, I support renewables in a sense as a business. Mm -hmm. If you're a company and you want to go build windmills, I'm all, go for it. It's a free it's a free country or in America, they say it's a free country. You go do it. Mm -hmm. But what happens if they make a mandate where they say 20 percent of all of all energy consumption has to be from wind? Mm -hmm. And even if that's more expensive than all other energy, you have to use that 20 percent mm -hmm. quota. See, this is what I oppose mm -hmm. is the mandates these requirements. Mm -hmm. However, if they want to push for more renewables, mm -hmm. I'm all for that. Mm -hmm. And I think if there is an understanding that it is focusing on producing more renewables, great. But if it becomes quotas, mm -hmm. that you have to have 20% wind, 30% solar, 40%. Well, I mean, these are wild numbers, but mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. see what I'm mm -hmm. coming across. Yeah. And these are my concerns. Mm -hmm. Is It's one thing to go to a climate change meeting and everyone's smiling and saying how we're against pollution. Yeah. But then if they say, oh, you have to follow these rules. Right. That is very, that can be very destructive. What if we were not talking about within the territory of the United States? What if we're talking about developing nations? Sure. China and the United States could both go to countries like Nigeria and say, hey, you need more energy. You're not fully electrified. Okay. You have towns and villages that don't have access sure. to electricity. Let us be part of your solution. It depends on how they're describing what the solution is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I'll put it to you this way. One of the reasons why when Biden tried to do a copycat BRI, mm -hmm. he went to the African countries. Mm -hmm. He said, "You we're going to give you money for infrastructure. And mm -hmm. they're like, great. Oh, but you have to shut down your coal plants and take in solar power plants. And the solar power has to come from American companies. Mm -hmm. No one signed on. Right. Okay. <laughs> so what I'm getting at is the solution has to be a solution that is a win-win. Yeah. And this is what the Americans are not are not so good at. Mm -hmm. Like I was talking on a podcast, I believe, a week ago with a Singaporean, and he was trying to understand, well, why is it that the Americans are so awful at diplomacy? And I'm like, wait, wait. <laughs> I know we are, but let me at least explain our mindset. Sure. Please do for our listeners. We love sports culture. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You're I grew up on San baseball Francisco. cards. I grew You're up from San Francisco, cards. right? Yeah. I'm from Dallas. Yeah. Dallas Cowboys, San Francisco 49ers. Sure, absolutely. You know there was a rivalry. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So it is a simple concept for we Americans. 
I'm from Dallas. I love my Cowboys. So the Redskins, Washington Redskins, they're mm -hmm. a terrible team. Everyone in, on the team is terrible and evil <laughs> simply because they're the Redskins. But what if, if you got one of their best players traded to your team, you'd oh, love Oh, he's them. the best ever. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's the most amazing guy in the world. Yeah. Okay. So we have this team concept. Mm -hmm. So it's actually very different than I've noticed with China and culture because like even when you look at the Olympics, mm -hmm. the, in the Olympics, many Chinese excel at the individual sports. Right. But at the team sports like soccer? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Americans are good at team sports because our culture, our entire mindset is raised on support your team at mm -hmm. all costs, mm -hmm. win at all costs. Mm -hmm. And so, but this is an absolute disastrous approach for diplomacy. Mm. Okay. So it just is. Mm -hmm. And then to say to Americans, oh, you have to change that. Well, how? Mm. How can we change that mindset? Mm -hmm. It actually took me many years in China to understand that social harmony was not a joke. Mm. Because uh, I met a Dallas professor. He sat me down. He said, wait a minute. Social harmony isn't about we all love each other and smiling. Really? That's how it sounds to an American. Mm -hmm. No, it's about getting everyone not to hate each other. <laughs> 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 and finding some way to coexist in a some type of harmony that is not destructive. Mm -hmm. Oh, but see, in Americans, it's about my team has to win, so we go for the win. Mm. So the social harmony is concept that is very hard for Americans to really understand mm. unless they've really lived a long time here. Yeah. Or maybe in Asia, there's a lot of other Asian countries oh, that have adopted the, same thing. Yeah. the Confucian yeah, kind exactly. of mentality. And so they have a better understanding. And it's actually, when you really think about the Asian countries, although that there's a lot of rivalries, um, with the exception of a few wars, there hasn't been so many wars between the countries. Right. I mean, yes, Vietnam and, and, and other places, but there hasn't been something like you've seen in Europe mm -hmm. or with the Americans. Mm -hmm. It's just more talk and then, you know, agree to disagree, mm -hmm. which is a very Asian concept. Mm -hmm. For Americans, it's a hard concept for them to comprehend. Well, let's let's get back to people-to-people -people exchanges, sure. because I personally think that is one of the best ways that we can come to under. I, I think our leaders in the United States do not necessarily represent the best interests of America. Sure. And I think that is something Americans maybe don't always understand. But you know, according yeah. to you at the beginning of the show, they do understand that. Yes. But I would love to see, you know, hundreds of thousands of people from around the world living in China like they were Many in 2019. Are very curious about China. Yeah, 2019, yeah. there were 300,000 foreign foreigners living in China. Now it's down to 100,000. Yeah, the COVID. How do we get those people back or different it's going to take time because this covid the covid was a very hard time for many of us and i'm sure many of us have sent warning mm -hmm. about that mm -hmm. and so there was a strong reaction when i saw hints that people are a little bit nervous about the current pneumonia. And I reacted mm -hmm. very strongly to suggestions that we might re-enter. I read your comments yeah. yes, on Twitter. So what I'm getting at is that had a huge impact mm -hmm. on people's thinking. And obviously the people who left probably went back to their home countries mm -hmm. to tell stories. Mm -hmm. So it had a long lasting damage on China's image. Mm -hmm. Well, right now, there are different reasons why people dislike the U.S. student loans problem. Problem. Sure. But I mean, the obvious answer that everyone can agree on is the universities are overpriced. Not only they're overpriced, but they're overrated. <laughs> well, there's that. If STEM yeah. technology, China has amazing universities. Yeah. If you, let's say you're 17 again, sure. you're thinking about going to college yeah. right now in this today's environment, would you consider
interested in coming well, to China? The college I went to was actually a good college for me because I was just sort of, I always loved reading books. Mm -hmm. And I went to a college where you were expected to read about 500 books mm -hmm. in four years. Mm -hmm. well, was, would, would you consider going to China or would you, rec you have a nephew, a niece, would you recommend that they come to Oh, I would recommend family now. I recommend young people now. Yeah. But back then, I was anti-China like most people. Hmm. Okay. Another thing for people to remember, and I want to remind well, the Chinese yeah. well, what viewers your of this. Mind? Yeah, that's a yeah, great exactly. question. I want to remind Chinese viewers of this as well. There was never this, we love China phase in America. It never <laughs> happened. Okay. So I want to address that because sometimes I hear words and phrases like, US China, worst ever or worse than 50 years, or worse than past 30 years. This is the terrible relations. Mm -hmm. No, it's about the same as, as always. Americans were very suspicious of the Chinese. Mm. So what changed me around was I, I was an ESL teacher in South Korea. Mm -hmm. and Me too. Yeah. <laughs> and I had done some tutoring and I was talking to some South Korean business people and they loved visiting China. Mm. You know? And what was interesting was is they described this kind of China that was like a normal kind of country. Mm -hmm. They didn't describe it as this communist country or this country that is... Uh, with the police all over the place, they describe it as kind of a cool place and it's a good place to make money mm -hmm. and enjoy yourself in the evenings. Mm -hmm. So I went, I, I got curious and I visited Shanghai, mm -hmm. took a trip for a weekend. It was great. Normal people. <laughs> it was like regular people. They weren't talking about politics. They weren't talking about communism. Mm -hmm. They were just talking about normal things. You Then you moved to China. Yeah. But how long before you really began to appreciate that China and America? Are I think what happened was the Iraq war, when Bush went to fight the Iraq war in 2005, it started to open my mind that America was becoming a pro-war military type country. And then China was, at that time, I believe, was trying to stop or trying to call for peace. Mm -hmm. And other countries are calling for peace. And as we reflect and find out that there was no WMD, yeah. it was all made up. Colin Powell knew it was made up when he went to the UN, that obviously there were dangerous signs. And by it seemed to me that normal times, it was always understood in America, you don't fight a war or you don't fight a battle unless the other side hits you first. Mm -hmm. This, the Iraq war that Bush went into, mm -hmm. he hit Saddam Hussein first. Mm -hmm. This was uh, this was like it was sort of like crossing the Rubicon mm -hmm. kind of moment. And after that, I became much more pro-peace. Mm -hmm. And I started to see China in a different light. For example, when I lived in South Korea, there were a lot of protests and they turned violent. Very violent. I'm surprised. Oh, wow. you want to go to a, a violent protest. Some of the best protests, most interesting protests are in South Korea. The labor protests, especially. Wow. Yeah. I, I had no idea that that was the case. When did you live there? I lived there from 2010 to 2011, but I didn't attend oh, any protests. They are, yeah, you weren't there during the <clears throat> America time. I was there in from 2001 to 2007. I mean, I think in, in, you yeah. went there as a, as a journalist to watch. No, I was just a teacher. I wasn't. I mean, I did some journalism near the end. Yeah, I mean, because as a foreigner in, a, in another country, oh, they were burning never the American participate flag. in a yeah, protest sure. of any kind. They were burning the American flag in front of the U.S. embassy. Wow, I saw it. I saw it. You, you, you can't avoid it. It was massive demonstrations. What city was this? Seoul. Wow. So what I'm getting at was is that China sort of emphasized 
social stability. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that maybe democracy doesn't answer everything. Because mm-hmm. why do people keep electing corrupt these corrupt people? Mm-hmm. Well, why do they? Well, because they're better at lying than the honest people. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so the voters vote for the liar yeah. because they're more convincing. Mm. It really is. When you really look at democracy, I sort of realize this is all that democracy is about. Who can lie better to the voters so that they win elections? Mm. And what if we took mo- money out of the election? No. no more, um, what, is, what is it, lobbying, and no more corporate finance for elections. If people just had to run on their own merits and there was no interference, would that work better? And maybe at first, mm-hmm. but then eventually they'll find ways to get the money. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. Okay, Sino-U.S. relations. Moving forward, are there positive steps people can take, that our nations can take? How can we improve relations between our nations? People to people, like you said, that's Mm -hmm. the better approach. When I visited the U.S., I met many ordinary Americans, and they were very curious about China. Mm -hmm. They want to visit. Mm -hmm. But actually, the, the visa regulations... The ability to get into China is a little bit more complicated than they had expected mm-hmm. because you're dealing with people who, if they want to go to Mexico or Canada or even Europe, they just show up, go on a plane, and they go. Mm-hmm. But in China, you got to go through the visa process. Right. So if China really wants to open up, I think they're going to have to be a little bit more open-minded on, say, the 15-day visas that they've done with some of the European right. countries right now. Yeah. And they're going to have, I think they're just going to have to open up more on that. And make it a little bit easier for people to just visit <coughs> and mm-hmm. come. Yeah. And the thing is, is obviously if they're causing trouble, they're going to have to go to jail or get deported. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will have some incidents. And when you have 50,000 college kids, decisions. I don't know if China went and did the, you know, forward logic step. Well, there was but, a, <laughs> I was involved in a WeChat yeah. group debate. I guess yeah. it's your group. Yeah, that yeah. was my group. Yeah. And a lot of people were frustrated that China didn't offer these opportunities to developing nations sure. to where there are people who yeah. you know would greatly benefit their own nation mm-hmm. from the knowledge that they could learn from university yeah, sure. here in China and bring that tech those technical yeah. skills back to their underdeveloped nations and help their local economies. I, and I would agree with that. And I think I would support that. Yeah. So how do you feel about uh, these 50,000 uh, exchange students coming to China from America? Also a good idea, no? No, I, I totally, I believe it's a good idea. I think, I don't know if they're going to come up with 50,000 people who will actually move um, for the full four years. But um, I do anticipate that there is going to be a high number, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, many people who are curious. Unfortunately, because of the anti-China culture, uh, it, they may put a stigma on them. So you studied in China. How dare you? Oh, my goodness. Well, I certainly hope that's not the case. It is, though. But I mean, maybe... Especially for big business. They really do that kind of stuff. You call your mom, right? Um, Yeah. I mean, I have communication with my family. I call my mom once a week. And, hey, you know, this is what life is like. I'm having a good time. I went to a movie. I went to a Starbucks, whatever. You know, so my mom has a pretty good idea that China is like anywhere else. Sure, sure. So you have... Let's say we have 10,000 a year coming to China, calling their moms, dads. Sure. cousins, whatever, posting on Instagram. It, it will Facebook. have a positive impact. Yeah. yeah. Maybe even if there are people attempting to stigmatize them, there'll be such a, a far reaching 
ability for these people to affect culture back home. Maybe maybe in the long term, it's possible. I'm just I'm just giving the heads up. Right. Because a lot of times when, before people make decisions, I'm sort of like the devil's advocate. Okay. <laughs> and I have yeah. to think about worst case scenarios. Right. And it is my, I need to do that for people because they need to think about the possible dangers mm-hmm. before they make a smart decision. Because mm-hmm. I don't make decisions. I help people make decisions. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I do what you're saying is true. And, and I hope it's the case. But I just worry that because of the anti-China sentiments have become so strong, there is this sort of attitude that, like, for example, you if you try to get your articles in the Western media, mm-hmm. what happens? I haven't tried. Don't. Yeah. In the U.S. Yeah. No. I haven't yeah. tried. Don't bother. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, sure. I tried. Yeah. Wall Street Journal. I have something there positive to say the, about China. How the, dare the you? The <laughs> blacklisting is, is real. Wow. Yeah. So what I'm getting at is because that blacklisting... Blacklisting is real. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, there will be something attached to that. You know, it seems yeah. to me, and the argument is made oftentimes by people we know, yeah. that if you live in China, you might have things to say about China that are meaningful. Yeah, of course. You would think that. <laughs> yeah. I used to think that. I mean, some, I used to think some of the most famous <laughs> analysts in Western media haven't been to China in 20 years. And they're totally clueless on China. Yeah, well. And I actually met some of those people when I was in D.C. It, it's, it's the, the, it is a mind-blowing, mm. the ignorance. And, and, it's, and it's intentional ignorance. Mm. Because what happens is they're making money on their deal. Right. They don't, CSIS needs to have the anti-China thing going because that's how they're making money. Well, you met with some of these oh, people. Oh, yeah. What were some of, the, some of the advice that you gave them? What were some of those conversations like? Well, I mean, I, I'll put it to you this way. I had more productive conversations off the record that I can't even mention. Right. Sure. But on the record, it was all negative. Oh, good. That's not well. I I hope there are ways for us to, in fact, move our two. I mean, I as I grew up in California, sure. I I bubble gum ice cream at the grocery store, America Bank of America bank account, saving my allowance, collecting baseball cards. You know, I grew up in the suburbs. Yeah, I come to China. Life here is not that dissimilar. I know. You know, people. It's about families. You know, fathers holding their daughters' hands on the way to school. That's what I'm trying to get across. To Americans. Yeah, that, that's what I want. That's I mean, the story I, I'm telling. Our cultures are not, I mean, there are obviously cultural yeah. differences, sure. like how we dance and how we sing. Sure. And, you know, I hate KTV, to be honest. Oh, I don't like it <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> but if you take that, that stuff aside, we're very similar people. We are. Yeah, we have very strong values. Well, I guess mm-hmm. America, the values have changed a lot. But uh, yeah. China has the values the, that the United States had in the 1980s or 90s. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that was interesting because actually um, I ended up meeting some people in Baltimore and some of them were even high level officials and they want me to come back to give a lecture to talk about China. Because what they're discovering was the story I told them about China was much different than what the so-called China experts told. Them. Right. Well, I'm glad and, that they're asking for your yeah, own, and, and I'm glad they did. They had the confidence, and we're, they're right now trying to raise the money for an, a, a big event. Mm. And, and it was even Democrats I met, and they were like, "Oh, I didn't know this about China. Oh, the entrepreneurship. Like, for example, I visited a place in Baltimore that wasn't just a food shelter, mm-hmm. but they also taught young people how to." run your own business. Mm-hmm. So I told the director, I said, this is what they do in Shenzhen in China. They mm-hmm. have 
entrepreneurial workshops mm. and they even teach children even in school really i gotta know about this the next thing you know it's like big talk that's fantastic you see what i'm getting at yeah so there are ways to show how chinese values and american values coalesce and i'm american and i'll always be proud of my country i do criticize it a lot but i'm always a patriot mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. because i want what's best for my country right okay and it's really that simple what americans are best at is we're great at marketing we're great at entertainment <laughs> We're oh, yeah. <laughs> great at talking. We're great at communication. Um, but uh, sometimes, like the STEM, the real work, <laughs> you know, the Chinese are a little bit better at that. So what you do is we need to find a way to mm -hmm. combine the best of Chinese culture mm -hmm. and the best of American culture. And that's exactly what lecture they want me to give. Mm -hmm. How to combine the best of China with the best of America. Those are That's a great idea. Yeah. And this is what really interests people. Mm -hmm. Because think about the education system. In China, of course, there's such great so great at testing mm. but we americans we're so creative yeah i think that's probably pretty accurate yeah you, you see what i'm getting at so when you find a way to create a combination of both um, american yeah, we can accomplish so much i know it would be yeah. so amazing and so i think if i was to find my way end up returning to america mm -hmm. it would be in this kind of approach mm -hmm. how to combine the best of both especially when it comes to the education system because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. our education system in america is a total disaster now mm -hmm. So that's why when you told me earlier, I was like, what? Well, I, I, <laughs> my high school wasn't so bad, but I grew up in like a countryside. Were, oh, okay. Yeah, that yeah. may be the reason. Yeah. It was all right. It wasn't like I mean, well, I went, to, I went to Catholic school, so it was good. Yeah. But it was commonly even understood when I was a kid that you go to public school in the you know cities. Yeah. It was, you, you know, you're, you're probably not going to learn that much. Well, yeah, but I, I think everyone, I mean, even um, Mabubani, Kishore Mabubani, the yeah. former ambassador of uh, Singapore to the United Nations, sure. he mentioned that one of the great things that the United States has given to the world uh -huh. is that it takes potential future leaders from all over the world, sure. brings them to the United States, sure. they meet each other, yeah. they go through our education system, sure. and they return with the fundamental ideas about you know how we should try to govern, and then they kind of all have a network through U.S. universities. Well, they are very good at the networking. They always deny the networking, but then they use the networking even more than the Chinese do. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Belt and Road Initiative has certainly yeah. been very successful at bringing 152 nations together sure. in a logistics network. Interesting. That and yeah. you mentioned that because I'm going to a conference about that. That's fantastic. This afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the yeah. few, the few, okay. I already asked you what kind of advice that you gave them. <clears throat> you yeah. said you had some conversations off the record, so we can't learn about those even, insights. Yeah, because it, it, because if it works well, it may be major news events later. Yeah. Well, let's say positive news events. Let, well, let's say <laughs> theoretically, uh, yeah. you know, you're giving advice to our listeners. And sure, some sure. of them, you know, are in positions to do something with that advice. What sure. kind of advice would you give to, let's say, Americans? about how we can grow Sino-US friendship. Ah, I would say try to try to understand that just because people are different than you uh, means it's okay. And cultures are different than your culture. It's okay. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times Americans have this mindset that it's sort of like how when I first studied in Italy for a semester, mm -hmm. there were in our class, we had two groups, mm -hmm. those who loved it and those who hated it. Wow. <laughs> and it was very, but it was very interesting to see this dynamic. Those who loved it, like myself, had an appreciation of different cultures. Mm -hmm. Oh, lovely architecture, interesting mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. This is different than America. 
Yeah. I like it. I like being overseas. Right. Then there were the others. They wanted to like it, but they did not have the ability because in their mind, McDonald's is not the same as it is in America. <laughs> the buildings are not the same as it is in America. In other words, they have this mindset of where they came from mm-hmm. and they just assume that it has to be the same everywhere. Right. And they can't help that. Mm-hmm. So even when they went to Rome, one of the most beautiful cities in the world, right. and it's springtime, Yeah, <laughs> and we were in a college in New Hampshire, yeah. This is a great time to be. Mm. But they could not help themselves from being that way. Wow. It just... Are, did they finish their study? Oh, yeah. Of course. I know a lot of people in Korea, Japan, China. Sure. They're called runners. Yeah, yeah. They come over. They can't handle it. A yeah. month or two later, they're on a flight calling their employer from the airport. I'm out of here. <laughs> 50% of the people in our school who are on there the first day will not graduate because they just leave. Wow. Yeah. And I, and I went to one of those schools that was very academically rigorous. Mm-hmm. And they knew it even beforehand. Mm-hmm. And the first lecture the president gives with all the new students, he says, look to your look to your right, look to your left. You do realize that either the person on the right or the person on the left is not going to be here probably by the end of the year. Just for 500 books? Come yeah. on. <laughs> no, it's more. It's more. I mean, it's, what I'm getting at is because it's such a cultural adjustment, you are literally in a very <laughs> academic environment. Mm-hmm. It's away from everything. It's it's beautiful campus, but mm-hmm. still, you're... It's, it's different from what you're used to. So your advice is prepare yourself yeah. for life abroad. Yeah, you have to. And you have to understand and be accepting of different cultures. Yeah. And you have to know. And if you have an adi- an arrogant attitude, <laughs> let it go. So I, mean, I guess the, the original question was, yeah. how can Americans learn to appreciate China? And we're not necessarily talking about people who move here. So even for those people who don't move here, your advice would be to try to understand that not everywhere is exactly like where you already are. Yes. And they have a different background. They have a different understanding of the world and that's okay. Right. And they can still love their family and have the same kind of values at their core that we Americans also have. Right. So, and that's very important to note because by, you know, there is always this diversity push, but it's really not a cultural diversity push. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is actually embrace diversity, but then you have to all be the same. Okay. That's I not, see what you're you see what I'm yeah, getting I, I at. Do. Yeah, yeah. It has to be the reverse. Right. It You have to support <clears throat> this kind of concept of live and let live. What's mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. was during World War II, soldiers were given a guidebook when they were sent to, say, Africa countries mm-hmm. or Muslim countries. And they were told, live and let live. Mm-hmm. You guys are Christians. You came in a culture where you believed in Jesus and this, and now you're going to be- meet all these people who are Muslims and mm-hmm. they're going to believe in probably the opposite. Mm-hmm. Live and let live. Don't impose your ideas on these people. Right. When America did that, mm-hmm. we were amazing, mm-hmm. but we forgot that. Mm. Well, I do want to come back around to COP28. So wait a minute, before we get to that, you're actually really struck. Where, where are you going with the Belt and Road? There's a Belt and Road. Yeah, meeting, there's a logistics. Beijing? conference. A logistics conference. What is that about? Well, apparently, because you have to build things, (laughs) you need logistics. Right. So a lot of the companies there are are there trying to maybe help with the transportation of equipment Mm -hmm. or have the equipment, have the... Is this related to the United States? No. This is just for Chinese? Well, apparently it's for the Chinese, but I've been told American companies are very interested in this. 
So internal Chinese logistics, or is this international? Oh, no, this is a conf- the big conference at the Beijing International Conference. So this is BRI related. Oh, well, yeah, obviously related. it's BRI related. But uh, I was informed that many American construction companies are becoming curious about this. Well, I mean, I think one of the things that the Belt and Road Initiative did, I yeah. read a few papers, is it allowed surplus manufacturing and construction capacity sure. to be exported. Well, of course. So these companies were like, well, we finished building, you know, Shenzhen. Where can we go now? So yes. they're like, let's go over to Nigeria and exactly. we'll just build stuff there. And yeah. then, so the United States. So this is what the yeah. logist. This is why this logistic conference is so important mm-hmm. because you're. And it turns out I even got a message from the conference last night. Oh my God, we're going to have a big crowd today. Can you come another day? Wow. Yeah. Goodness. Apparently, everyone signed up for the first day like I did. Mm. And it turns out that it's a huge, massive crowd. I'll find out at 2 o'clock today to well, confirm. But it, it, it's important to, to, to take note of this because the building, if it allows for other companies to be more involved yeah. in this infrastructure building, mm-hmm. this can be a major game changer. I mean, I was thinking about for the United States as an American. Sure. Aren't, are there opportunities for, even if the United States government isn't officially a member of these international yeah, institutions, no, certainly no. U.S. companies can bid for some of these that's, projects. That's what I'm getting at. That's, yeah. that's who contacted. I can't say who. <laughs> okay, I, got a, I got an interesting call. They said, your ticket is paid for. You go, you go take notes. I mean, that would be fantastic. I yeah. mean, the U.S. economy, like starting to work on some of these projects oh, yeah. around the world, would be a great chance for America and China to be helping build out the underdeveloped world. With the conference apparently there was some announcement of it on Twitter on Thursday or Friday. Hmm. And I and I got a call from somebody I hadn't heard from in like 10 years. Wow. <laughs> 10 years. Wow. I thought he disappeared. Yeah. Tom, aren't you still in Beijing? Yes. I need you to go to this conference. Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, in, ter- in terms of COP28, we're talking about yeah. those projects are also opportunities yeah. for not just Chinese companies, but for whoever can many, build yeah. those things. This and logistics is huge. The United States yeah. has incredible technology when it comes to green energy. Yes. I, I read about it all the time. Yeah. University, it's not always scaled. Yeah, yeah. It's like some scientists did this in a lab at Stanford and they're like, yay! Yeah, and then you never hear about it again. <laughs> but see, you know, here's the funny part. It was Shenzhen universities that were smart enough to turn that into real smart business ideas. Mm. Now, see, what happened was in America, when they sold the ideas, a lot of time the developers were expected to be business people mm. and developers at the same time. Right. This doesn't work that way. Yeah. A, a, a scientist, scientist is, is Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, for Great. me... It worked. Exactly. Moving on. <laughs> you know? And so the Chinese had a better system for that. Yeah. Because in Shenzhen, if you had students, they would they would have these... Um, they would invite people and they would invite business people. And then the, the, what, what happened is the business people would meet the developers and then they would just talk to them. Mm. What exactly are you trying to do? Right. Whereas in the Silicon Valley, they had to actually make a good presentation. Mm. And if the presentation wasn't that good, it was a disaster. Right. So what was interesting was when I was in Baltimore, I emphasized that. I said, actually, the Chinese approach is better than the Silicon Valley approach Mm -hmm. because most of your people are from humble backgrounds. Right. So maybe they don't know how to do an amazing presentation wearing a suit and really look believable. Yeah. All these VC. 
you see people sitting in a yeah. room deciding it's, whether they're, they're going to give you $10 nervous, million. Dollars. <laughs> and they're going to get nervous. Yeah. So what you need to do is just invite a group of people mm-hmm. and just let them walk around and have a chat with the people on these projects. And she's like, yeah, that's a good idea. Mm. Because if you do it the Shark Tank way, yeah. like that just doesn't work in China. Right. So she that's one of the reasons they want to invite me back mm-hmm. to talk about things like this. Mm-hmm. Because now that she thinks about it, yeah, of course, all of them were, would blunder in that type of environment <laughs> because they didn't, you know, they didn't have the educational background right. that those who are doing the winning presentations had. Right. And yeah, and the, the people who are able to do the amazing presentations may not have exactly the, 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 the tools people are <laughs> looking a, for. So that's right. <laughs> what the best of America is, is on the marketing side. Right. The best of the Chinese is on that. Sometimes you get, yeah. Sometimes you get lucky. Yeah, what was that? Wallowitz at Apple. So he was like the, sure. the, the nerd. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. And then they just happen to work really well together. Exactly. Yeah. So you got one of each, a communicator you need and a, a scientist. Yeah. And they're like, okay, let's couple up. And that's here, how right? I kind of see that if China and the U.S. is going to have a partnership, it would be something like that. Right. Exactly. A larger yeah. version of Apple. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We were supposed to do this last week. So thank you so much no for problem. coming this week. And mm-hmm. uh, it's a fantastic interview. I hope that a lot of people can take your points home with them. If you want to be part of this conversation, please email us at we love the bridge at gmail.com uh where can we find you just uh put me on twitter twitter yeah. so what's your handle on oh twitter? uh t-m-c-g-r-e-g-o-r china uh, so you can find thomas park in the second at twitter and follow him thank you yeah. so much for your time yeah.